Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 363 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. How you doing this week, Eddie, man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Um, yeah, we're going to dive straight into the review part, then we will welcome this week's special guest, um, part two, I think, is going to be very, very quick because there's not really anything to preview. We'll see, and I'm not sure if there's much news at the moment. So let's dive straight into the review part, like I say. going to start here with this one. It took place on the Friday at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, USA, obviously live on ESPN, live on Sky Sports here in the UK. Let's start with the undercard. Um... Hmm, which fight to start with on the undercard? That is the question. I'm going to start with this one, I guess, actually. Um, Keyshawn Davis with a win. He is now uh, 6-0, and a TKO in round 5 against Omar Bahina, who's now... Uh, 25 and 6. Henry Lebron with a win as well, now 17 and 0. A good win actually against Andy Ventes, who always comes to give it a good go. He's now 23 and 4 with a draw. It was for the WBO Latino Super Featherweight title. Ventes cut in round 1. Lebron cut in round 2. Accidental head clashes both times there. Um, elsewhere on the card, let's get straight to the main event. Shakur Stevenson, now 19 and 0, a defensive is um no not a defense of his my apologies i was gonna say a defense of his wbc and wbo world super featherweight titles of course that's not the case he lost them on the scows um yeah so he was able to beat on the night the robson concessal who's now 17 and 2 the belts of course were on the line for concessal only um stevenson had a point deducted in round nine for um uh, I think it was he threw he threw Contes out to the floor a couple of times. I think that's what what it was for in the end. But yeah, the fight pretty much was all Stevenson. Too young, too good, too fresh. Contes out was just being beaten to the punch and hugely outlanded. Shakur had a point deducted, like I say. Um, after that point, and like I say, it was late in the fight, like round nine when the point gets took off. After that point, that was when Contes I think started to think, hey, uh, I just won a round ten eight. But I think it was a little bit too late because he tried to come on after that. But yeah, too little, too late. Um, he did try, obviously. Tough guy. I expected Shakur Stevenson to win on points. My bet came through for that one. And yeah, I think the main point really is that he missed the weight. I think he was over in the end by about, I think it was 1.6 pounds. Um, so yeah, that's it. He's confirmed he will be moving to lightweight. He didn't. I think he had about two hours, but he didn't even attempt to try and make the weight after being 1.6 pounds over. I don't think he even wanted to 
to strip fully down. But they gave him two hours to go away and make the weight. He decided to not even bother with that. And he confirms a move to lightweight. Um, I know you didn't see the fight, Eddie. But I guess let's just talk briefly here. He loses his title on the scales. It's kind of crazy, really, when you think he came up um, from featherweight. He was champion of the world there. Moved up. Didn't really spend too long at super featherweight. Obviously dethroned Jamel Herring. And here he goes, moved, moving straight up to 135. It's a division that, of course, selfishly, we all want to see him in. Because you know yourself, all those names on the tip of our tongues that we want to see him in with. But, um, yeah, it's not really a great look, obviously, missing the weight and not really being at 130 for too long. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little rough. Um, you know, it looks unprofessional not making the weight, even if, you know, you're struggling, you know, to make the weight in general. People would still still expect you to uh, make the weight and, and 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 you know and still be you know successful in in your fight no matter how difficult it may be to make it you know what I mean you sign a contract you got to adhere to it so you know I had guys friends of mine who actually went to see him fight and, you know before they went to the fight you know they heard about the weight thing and it's like do we really give a give a shit enough sorry for my language to go see to go see this guy fight when he didn't even give a shit enough to, to make the weight. Things happen in boxing. You know, he, he may have gotten to camp and was working so hard, tried to get the weight off, realized it just couldn't happen. Um, you know, there's all kind of different things you can come up with or think of that possibly could cause that kind of thing to happen. He probably figured, well, what the hell? I'm leaving the weight. I'm vacating the titles anyway. What's the point in putting myself through too much to, uh, you know, go in here and win a fight that I know I'm going to win regardless? So he probably just figured, what the hell, and just kept on going. And said, I'll just give the belts up and, you know, go on about my business. But the good thing about him actually with this idea to go up is that now we get the fight we want to see. Well, the opportunity, let's just say the opportunity to get the fights that we want to see with him and, you know, Haney, you know, Tank, and even with Tiafimo being not too far away. These, these, and Lomachenko, all these different fights are just, just, just there um, and have a possibility of being made now. So it, it just it just makes it so much more exciting with those lower weights, you know, and uh, uh, with him joining the 35. So um, I think Shakur, in my opinion, of the bunch, I like him the most. His skill level is extremely high. He's really, really sound defensively as well. Understands range. Uh, you know, like I said, he holds true to the defensive responsibility, but he has a lot of offensive talent. May not have a big shot to knock everybody out, you know what I mean? And that kind of sucks because that can make it a little difficult, you know, for him in certain spots. But he has enough power to get respect and to keep people off. So I do think regardless, you know, he'll have that Floyd effect, you know what I mean, where if he knows he has to use the ring, whatever he has to do, I think he, he's good enough defensively with enough offensive power to get respect. So I think he would be, in my opinion, in uh, – I think he has a possibility of winning most of those fights, if not all. Um, I do think Tank is the most dangerous opponent for him. Um, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say Lomachenko at this stage. I don't know exactly where he's going to be. And, you know, as good as Devin Haney is, and, you know, they had some 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 real wars uh, in the gym. Well, you know, interesting sparring sessions. Very nice to, to watch. Um, you know, he's he's second to Tank because I think Tank is just such a – powerful explosive guy that he can deal with what Shakur has and still kind of come through it and maybe bang out some shots and I don't know he might be able to catch him and hurt him 
at some point in the fight. So that's the only thing that, you know, makes me worry about with Shakur is, is, is really with Tank. Haney is extremely talented and a great boxer too, but I think he's a little, he's not as defensively responsible as he needs to be. Sometimes he's too offensive and doesn't have enough pop to have that mindset. You know what I'm saying? He can't get the guys out of there as easy. So, um, but it's exciting. I'm looking forward to the future with these, with this division. It, it's it's going to be something to see in, in, in the coming years. Yeah, it certainly is, and it was fantastic to actually hear Shakur mention these these kind of opponents, you know, straight away in the ring afterwards. He mentioned the likes of Devin Haney, the likes of uh, Vasyl Lomachenko. Very good to hear him speak about those names straight away. Um, moving out now to the Manchester Arena, Manchester, Lancashire. This one was on BT Sport pay-per-view. Let's start with the undercard. Um wins for Mark Heffron, who's now 29 and 2 with a draw, a knockout in the very first round against Martin Bulasio, who's now 10 and 7. Really didn't understand the point in that fight there. Uh, we also had um Nathan Heaney with a win now 16 and 0, a technical decision after a head clash left uh, Heaney with a huge cut over his right eyebrow. Um so Jack Flatley now 19 and 3 with a draw. It was for the IBO International middleweight title. Um, real shame actually, because it was hotting up to be quite a good fight, and I thought it would be a good fight going in. Um, but yeah, the the head clash was was huge, and the gash was massive on Heaney's eye. Like I say, went to the cards. Um, Flatley, I don't think fully really got going. Um, Probably didn't even start his game plan because I would have said he might have been smart to kind of start late, but it didn't even go late. So I felt like it obviously finished prematurely in terms of how I thought the fight would go. But yeah, not prematurely in terms of uh, the, severi the, the severity of the cut because it was awful. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they're going to be doing it again. Doesn't look like it's going to be happening again. Um, elsewhere on the card, Amanda Serrano now 43-2 and two with a draw, 10 uh, Ten round unanimous decision over the previously undefeated Sarah Mafood, who's now eleven and one. It was for the IBO, the IBF, the WBC, and the WBO featherweight world titles. Um, Mafood came to give it a real go, to be honest with you. Um, you know, really tried, really fought her heart out, but of course, Serrano a little bit too good in all in all compartments, really. So yeah, a win for her. Um, yeah, fantastic to just see her fighting in the UK. She really is a tremendous, tremendous fighter um, and a pioneer, actually, of women's boxing. Elsewhere on the card, Echo Esserman, now 18-0. and 0. He was able to beat unanimously over 12 rounds. Samuel Antwi, who's now 14-2. and 2. It was for the, uh, the British, the Commonwealth, and the IBF European welterweight titles. Um, I thought it was going to be a good fight. I expected Esserman to win, which he did, but I didn't expect the fight to be as boring as it was. It really just didn't catch fire, and at times it was so, so bad, it was hard to actually continue to pay attention to. It was really bad. Um, not sure if it was Antwi just being a bit negative. You know, he did have some moments in the fight, but Echo Esserman, yeah, he won the fight as I expected. Um... Michael Magnacy was previously undefeated. He was 21 and 0. He's now 21 and 1. He lost a split decision over 12 rounds to Anthony Kakachi, who's now 20 and 1. It was for the IBO World Super Featherweight title. Um, again, I 
I don't know. Like Kakachi obviously was coming off a little bit of ring rust. He looked a bit flat. He looked quite tired early on, but he did well to kind of, you know, scrape a win against an unbeaten fighter with a tricky style who was very hungry as well, the undefeated Italian. But yeah, I mean it wasn't like inspiring, I don't think, from Kakachi. I I didn't watch it and think, wow, I can't wait to see him fight again. He's one of the best super feathers in the country. It wasn't really that kind of performance. He does have a belt now. He's the IBO world champion for whatever that means. But, you know, I do like Kakachi. And I I think he is quite an exciting fighter, providing he's in with a guy that um, brings that side out of him. But, yeah, I don't know. He just looked a bit flat to me. I don't know what's happened with him. I guess he's gone a little bit stale. Looked really good last time out beating Leon Woodstock, a fight I was ringside for. But, yeah, it's been about a year since then. And he just looked really flat for me. Um, and, and like I say, the other guy was quite unpredictable. Um, elsewhere on the card, time for the main event. Joe Joyce now 15-0, and 0, a KO in the 11th round against Joseph Parker. Friend of the show, now 30-3. and 3. It was for the WBO interim world heavyweight title. Parker cut over the right eye. Stopped in the end with that huge left hook to the, to the temple. Um... Gonna run through the rounds. I gave the first one to Parker. I didn't strictly um, note everything down here. It was pretty much just my scorecard. I gave the first round to Parker, the second round to Joyce, the third round to Parker, which I thought was a really good round actually, because Parker, I thought was hurt a little bit early on in the round, and Joyce was starting to pile the pressure on. But then Parker come back with huge shots, uppercuts, hooks, the lot, and Joyce's chin was being checked in that third round. Obviously, it was a great round. Parker looked quite tight though which was a bit alarming despite winning the round round four I gave to Parker as well I felt that he landed the better shots again we saw proof that Joyce's chin is just superhuman he took some absolute bombs and from that point onwards I gave Joyce the fifth round again Parker looked more more and more tired round six again I gave to Joyce uh, round seven I gave to Joyce that was where we saw Parker get cut and it was quite bad on his on his um, right eye Round 8, another Joyce round. Um, Parker was still really trying. He was sh- you know, showing so much heart. He was having little moments here and there. But overall, he was getting beat down. And Joyce was just slowly grinding him down. Round 9, a Joyce round. It was a close one. Uh, the blood was still flowing and flowing from Parker's cut. They didn't do a great job of stopping the flow. Round 10 was a Joyce round again. And then round 11, like I say, what a knockout. A huge left hook to the temple. Parker kind of staggered back into the ropes on his way down. He hit the ground hard. He bravely did get up, and he actually got up before the count of 10. I think he got up at 9, but Steve Gray waved it off and certainly did the right thing. What a fight, though. One of the best heavyweight fights you're going to see all year. The scorecards on social media were absolutely all over the place. In the end, I think I had it... um, I think I had, if I'm not mistaken... I think I had Joyce by four. The official cards in the end had him up by five, by three, and by two rounds. So I had him four up. So I'm about in between all of that. So not a bad card, I guess, in reflection. But, um, yeah, Joe Joyce, man. Um, I I know you saw little clips of it, Eddie. You didn't see all of it. But Joe Joyce, I mean, he's going to be a problem for any heavyweight out there. He's got such a, you know, an amazing chin. Um, extremely hard to hurt him. 
The chin has been checked by Joseph Parker, who is a big puncher. It's been checked by Daniel Dubois, who certainly is a big puncher. And he doesn't seem phased really by anything to the chin. Um, not to mention his incredible work rate as well, which, you know, is, is one of his main attributes. The fact that he just keeps on coming and coming and coming. And of course, you know, has an amazing engine, has an amazing work rate. Um, just this week, Tyson Fury himself... Um, released a video on Twitter and he said that he's been looking at you know a lot of the contenders and stuff watching a lot of clips on the the heavyweight fighters right now and he personally thinks that Joe Joyce is the second best heavyweight in the world which was really eye-opening to hear him say that because he would have always said it would have been Deontay Wilder but now he's saying Joyce is number two um, but yeah nightmare style for absolutely anyone I think him against Anthony Joshua, that's probably the worst person you can put Anthony Joshua in with. Um, yeah, he seems to take people to deep water already and drown them. I know you're not a massive fan of his style, but I tell you what, the guy gives everyone problems. Absolutely everyone. Honestly, it's not so much that I'm not a fan of the style. It's funny, I was just sparring with a, with a guy who is a good guy, good young young fighter. His name's Igor. Igor, right? He's, he's Ukrainian, and his style is like, he's not super fast, he's not, he doesn't punch super hard, not to say that Joe Joyce do, doesn't, he's probably obviously a, a great puncher too, but he's consistent, he keeps his hands moving, and he will work you down, he will work you into a point where it's like, you're kind of, you're lulled to sleep, so to speak, you know what I mean, you're expecting, ah, oh, this ain't much, and then by the fifth and sixth round, he's still there, and still on that same pace. He's like a, a long-distance runner, where you may be a sprinter, you can sprint out to an early lead, but he's going to track you down because he just doesn't get tired, and he keeps that steady pace. And that's kind of what I see with Joe Joyce. You know, you might have Usain Bolt speed, and you might get out in front of him real fast, but he's like one of them those Kenyans. He'll eventually track you down. That's just his, that's just his way. And he, not to mention he's big, strong, and has that awkward... George Foreman style uh, and, and presses and is just he's always in your face. I respect his game I, 100%. It's not see, it's guys like that who isn't aesthetically pleasing. It doesn't have the the sharp, like unbelievable ability and all it is, you know. And, and some people will go as the far as say, "Yo, he really kind of sucks." But it's not it's not it's not necessarily what you see in aesthetics. Like he may not pass the eye test quite like some of these other fighters like a Jared Anderson who you could see the athleticism and the skill and and then you see his future is bright um or even with guys like Andy Ruiz who had doesn't have the body of, 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 a, of a elite fighter but has the skill level of it and is explosive in certain ways with his power and speed and he doesn't have those attributes necessarily he may be a heavy puncher but he's kind of like the methodical slow grind he's like the slow death you know what I mean? He'll just keep his hands on you and just, you know, deflate that ego as the fight goes on. You know, Joe Joyce, he's that constant reminder that I don't care how good you are. As long as I keep my solid pace and my my granite chin going, you, there's nothing you can do. You understand what I'm saying? Eventually, I'm going to get to you. And that's kind of the, the, the problem he poses to any heavyweight. And I agree one million percent. He is the worst, absolute worst opponent outside of Deontay Wilder. For Anthony Joshua, I would not put Joshua in with him at this point, and it's just because 
you know, his ego is obviously a little not where it needs to be. Joshua and his, his confidence probably is a little shaken because he couldn't get the music, obviously, and was soundly beaten in, in ways and that. Then now you put him in there with a guy who may not outskill Joshua. And Joshua may, may be winning rounds in there, but eventually just dealing with that, he's still fucking here. Excuse my language. He still keeps coming. My punching power is not seeming to have enough of an effect on this guy. And then all of a sudden you see the fight just seep out of him. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. And I give guys like Joe Joyce more credit than some of these super talented guys because he's doing so much with, I don't want to say so little, but with not as much as some of these guys have. He has the size. Don't get me wrong. He's, you know, he has the frame. But as far as the explosiveness and all of that, he's, that's not really him. But he will grind it out big time on you. Kind of reminds me of, you know, a Tony Thompson. Even though Tony Thompson was southpaw. Tony Thompson was just, he, made, he wasn't the biggest puncher, but he was on your ass. And he would be on you all night throwing punches. And I remember sparring with him. I'm like, what the hell? This guy won't stop. Uh, but, uh, it, it, and it's just like that. It's, it's not beautiful necessarily, but it's super effective. Yeah, it truly is super effective. Um, I seriously struggle to think of a guy um, that beats him easily. I don't think anyone beats him easily. I think uh, that the question that's kind of been asked all week is, can he take Wilder's power to that chin? Because if he can, then, oh my gosh, you know, like I just don't see him getting knocked out. The guy is... The guy is superhuman. He really is. I'm I'm fully on the Joe Joyce train at the moment. Um, moving out now to the Nottingham Arena. This one was on the zone. Let's start with the undercard. What did we have? Um, a win for Chev, uh, Siobhan Clark. He's now 3-0. and A TKO in round four against Marcos Karolinski, who's now 7-6 and with two draws. Um, I'm going to go in quite harsh here on Solomon Dakers, who's now 5-0. and A unanimous decision over... 10 rounds against Ariel Bracamonte, who's now 11 and 10. Um, I think it was about a shutout in the end, really, for Solomon Dakers. He did have a point deducted, though, in round 9 for a low blow. Now, I have to say it. Bracamonte, the opponent, had 24 hours' notice. He got stopped in two rounds by Fraser Clark a few weeks back. He goes 10 rounds here with Solomon Dakers on 24 hours' notice. Um... You know, it was one of the worst fights you're going to see all year. Dakers, I think, absolutely does not deserve a TV slot on a card like this. Um, he should be, you know, right at the bottom of the card. If they're going to show the whole card on the zone, great. But don't put him on one or two fights from the main event. Um, I think this fight here, hopefully, will... Um, solidify the fact that he shouldn't be on TV, possibly at all right now, but certainly not, you know, in one of the prime slots at all. Hopefully this performance here has killed that because it was terrible to watch. I mean, he needed to get Brecamonte out of there. How can you go 10 rounds with a guy who's had 24 hours notice? It makes you kind of wonder what would have happened if this guy had 12 weeks notice. And remember, this guy is a guy who quit on his stall against Dave Allen four years ago. Dakers, on the other hand, is already being talked up as this really good fighter, good amateur pedigree. Um, he's only had, what was it? How many fights has the guy had? I'm trying to remember now. 
he's had five fights now, and it's not the first one that's been extremely boring. So that's 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 a terrible thing. He's a heavyweight. It's his fifth fight, and I think two or three of them have been almost unwatchable. So it's not a good look. And yeah, I'm just I I don't know where where he goes next. Put him in with someone like a Sokolowski, someone who's going to test him and maybe turn him into a bit of an exciting fighter. Because when he gets in there against guys like this, who he doesn't, I guess, see as a threat, he just fights really boring. And you just can't give a guy 24 hours notice and go the distance. You can't. Not a heavyweight. You can't. No way. Not if you're a big, highly touted prospect. You don't do things like that. So, it was an awful performance from him. Um... I don't know the guy personally. He could be a lovely guy. I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. I'm not that way inclined. But it was an awful performance. And I think there's no way he can disagree with that statement. It was it was quite embarrassing to go the distance with Bracamonte. And like I say, look what uh, Fraser Clark did to him just a few weeks ago. That's what you're supposed to do with a Bracamonte. Anyway, moving up the card. Hannah Rankin was dethroned of her IBO and WBA World Super Welterweight titles. She got in there with Terry Harper, who moved up about three weight classes for the fight. Terry Harper now 13-1 and with a draw. Hannah Rankin now 12-6, and ranking cut in the second round. Um, it was a really fast and sharp start from Terry Harper. I was a little bit surprised. But having said that, it is two-minute rounds and the rest of it, but she was beating Rankin to the punch consistently, straight away. She was really, really sharp, really strong as well. And I said on last week's show that I think she's going to be too small for Rankin. When I saw the pair in front of each other at the weigh-in, you could see that Terry Harper's took to the weight so well. She looks so healthy and fit. And when you see that she used to make 130 only a few months ago, if you get a photo of her away in there and you compare it to this, she looks ill. All of a sudden, she looks ill being 130. Now, she looks full of colour. She looks fabulous. And, um, yeah, she was so, so good. Very, very impressive. Um, you know, she's been... She, she's not been in a fantastic place recently with with losing, being knocked out brutally by Alicia Baumgardner. But for her to bounce back here at... at um, 24 pounds heavier and become a world champion here was really impressive against a very tough and game um, Hannah Rankin. We know how game she is. Rankin did have some moments towards the end of the fight, but yeah, just not enough, nowhere near enough. And her footwork was nowhere near um, as as fast as as um, as Harper's. Harper's footwork was in another dimension to Rankin's. Um, yeah, so very, very, very good performance from Terry Harper. And again, just like that, she's back. And I think there's some big fights that can be made. I think the obvious one would have to be she needs to probably fight um, Natasha Jonas. That one would be fantastic. And moving up to the main event, Maxi Hughes now 26-5. and Another upset win. He's got two draws, I should mention, as well. He got in there with former world champion, friend of the show, Kid Galahad, who's now 28-3. and It was for the IBO lightweight world title. Galahad deducted a point in the 10th round for use of the head. Um... I've got to be honest, I didn't see much of this fight because it was it was clashing with Parker and Joyce, so it kind of made it a little bit impossible after about four rounds. But Galahad looked really tiny in there with a true lightweight. Like we said, it was always going to be a bit weird seeing them two together. And I was saying that Galahad, really, his best days were at 
um, at, at 126 uh, when he was world champion at 126, um, and he obviously moved up to, uh, to 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 135 here, but. I, I kind of forgot that he used to be a super bantam, 122. So this is very much out of his comfort zone in terms of his best weight, his optimum weight. Um, and it certainly did suit Maxi Hughes. Like I say, was much bigger on the night than Galahad. Um, I'm really over the moon for Maxi Hughes. Again, I don't know the guy at all, but he's having the best run of any British fighter. I think he's probably British fighter of the year. He's been unbelievable. And I just don't know where the where the train stops because he's beaten everyone they put in front of him and he's had no right to beat most of them. He has been in unbelievable form. It's just it's it's unbelievable. The guy is literally the miracle man. The guy is literally the plan wrecker. The guy is literally the upsetter. He keeps upsetting the odds time and time again. Um, Kid Galahad, on the other hand, finds himself in a very difficult spot. I mean, this is a guy they were comparing to Prince Nassim Hamed when he was on the rise, when he was fighting on Channel 5 with Mick Hennessy. Took him ages to get a world title shot. We have to mention as well that he was he was banned for for um, for a illegal substance at one part of his career. But then he did come back, did get a world title shot against Josh Warrington, arguably beat him. Didn't get the decision that night there. Um, then after that, obviously come back and um, ended up beating. Um, I can't even remember who he beat for the title. Now that's how that's how irrelevant he's kind of seemed in recent times. He beat um, Jazza Dickens for the vacant title. Yeah, that's right. It was in the uh, Eddie Hearn's back garden. Then he comes back and his first defense gets knocked out by Kiko Martinez in what was an absolute. <laughs> Shock! It was it was you know upset of the of, of of the year last year the the biggest shock of the year, and then he comes back obviously moving up here um, nine pounds to take on Maxi Hughes and loses a majority decision over twelve rounds. So yeah, he finds himself in a very tough spot. He's towards the end of his career now, and yeah, it's just I feel like he's a massive underachiever. I feel like he could have done so much more, and I feel like his days are very much numbered at the minute. Who is clamouring to see him fight again? Not many people. We're not even sure which weight class he should truly be at. Yeah, he's in a difficult spot. And I wish him all the best. He's a good guy. Kid Galahad. Been on the show before. Very nice guy. Um, wish him all the best. I, I truly do. But anyway, that wraps up the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning and undefeated IBF and WBC super lightweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Miss Chantel Cameron. Chantel, welcome back on the show. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure having you on, Chantel. So we last spoke back in May. It was a couple weeks before your fight against Victoria Bustos. Once again, I was lucky enough to be there in person to see you fight. Um, tell me about it looking back now. Bustos is obviously seriously tough, and it's clear to see why no one's been able to get her out of there just yet. Yeah, but yeah, what a tough woman. I think I'm throwing everything at her, and I think in the end I thought, you know what, she's going nowhere. I'm just going to have some fun now, because... I, she was just literally, she was eating everything. And I thought, nah, she, this is just literally, she's not going anywhere. So I started doing a bit of uh, boxing how I wouldn't normally box. Yeah, no, like I say, though. Having some fun. 
Yeah, no, having fun. Like I say, it was great to be there once again. Um, even though you had the Bustos fight when we spoke, you had the Bustos fight on the horizon just a couple of weeks away, you admitted that you hadn't really been in a good place for a, for quite a while with fights falling through. You felt like you were down on your luck a little bit. Callie Reese was messing around. Um, where are you at mentally at the moment, Chantel? Oh, bloody hell, what a turnaround. Uh, it's like now everything's falling back into place. I think last time we were speaking, it was just kind of like, I wasn't um, complacent with Bustos, but I also wasn't like, I wasn't excited. It, sound, like, it sounds a bit bad, but just being honest, I wasn't excited for the fight because it was kind of like, I thought I was going to be fighting in the final for the tournament, which was undisputed against Callie V. And that was, that, that, that was exciting me, like a big fight, um, all the marbles. And it was kind of like, taking a step back again and it was just am I ever going to be getting the opportunities in the big fights now or am I always just going to be taking steps back it's like one step forward and two steps back so I was a bit like a bit pissed off really but um, look at it now I couldn't even buy it I'm fighting McCaskill but undisputed in Abu Dhabi so it's true what they say when one door closes another opens and that's what seems to happen to me so I'm absolutely buzzing Excellent, excellent. Like you say, you finally get to box for what what would have been Callie Reese's titles, the undisputed uh, titles here. You're stepping in with, as you said, the the uh, undisputed welterweight world champion Jessica McCaskill. McCaskill's coming down a weight to make the fight happen. Do you feel that um, you know, the fact that she's coming down in weight? Do you feel like that's much of an advantage to you because she's not necessarily a big one four seven anyway? Yeah, so. I don't think it is at all, to be honest. She's not big. Like, she moved it to 147 for the opportunity to fight Cecilia Blackhouse. Exactly. But she, her first, I don't think she's even weighed 147, has she, in her fights? Like, I don't think that's going to be any problem. And I wouldn't look into that too much because then you're just looking for little weaknesses there that are not weaknesses. And I think that's a bit of an insecurity as well. Yeah, no, for sure. But to be honest, I don't really give a crap if she makes it easy or not. Like, as long as, as long as I'm performing, that's what I care about. And her fighting style, Chantel, is very exciting, as is yours. This yeah. is a fight I can't possibly envision not being a war. Um, how do you see it playing out, and how much do you rate her as a fighter as well? I rate her a lot as a fighter. I don't think she's the best boxer. I think she's a great fighter, but technically, she's not the best, and I think that's just being real, but... Um, Boxing-wise, yeah, like, look what she's done. She's beat Cecilia Blackhouse. She had a great fight with Katie Taylor. And like you said, our styles are going to clash and it's going to make for a good fight. But I think it will be how I want to box. Because with my fights, I've shown that I can come forward, I can be on the back foot, I can box, I can fight. Whereas I don't think she has that in the bag. I think she's very one-dimensional. And for me, it's do I want to make it easy? Or do you want to go and put on a good show for the crowd? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to dictate things. Um, you mentioned her fight with Katie Taylor. Yeah, it seemed like that turned her into a, a better fighter, it would appear. Um Chantel, yeah. you're you're one of the best female fighters in the game. I don't think anyone can deny that. But you've said to me time and time again that you feel Katie Taylor won't ever fight you, which is a real shame because you're both two of the very best. But out of the other girls that you consider right up there on the pound-for-pound pound rankings in or around your weight, is Jessica maybe the hardest fight for you out of everyone else in a realistic world? Yeah, 
100%. Yeah, I think uh, she gives a lot of people trouble. Like, I'm going into this with underdog mentality because she's a big threat and I'm not I'm not, I'm not being like, oh, I'm going to win this easy, this is an easy fight. It's not for both of us. It's hard for her. It's, I think she knows as well, deep down, it's a hard fight for her. And I know deep down it's a hard fight for me. And it's just who wants it more. So, no, I think this is definitely my hardest fight to date. And I think uh, she's a hard, she's she's a problem for anyone, any boxer. She's a she's she's a problem. And as you touched on as well, the fight takes place November fifth in Abu Dhabi. Um, are you looking forward to fighting out there? It, it's a bit of a mad one, of course, for the location. Yeah, I think uh, it's experience. One experience that's going to be obviously a boxing Vegas last May, and that was unbelievable. That was one of the best fight weeks I've ever had in my boxing career. So I'm hoping uh, Abu Dhabi's going to top that. So I'm looking forward to getting out there with the team. And I've got a good team as well, you know what I mean? So my team's going to make it enjoyable. They always do. No matter where we are, where we're boxing, we always have a good time. And I think that's going to be good because I could have the the world on my shoulders with this fight, like a lot of pressure, but my team take that away from me and they'll they'll chill me out and have me in a good place. And I doubt that you fought this far ahead, but I'll ask anyway, should you win and become undisputed, would you be thinking about a move to 147 or would you be looking to stick at 140, Chantel? For now, I'm just sticking to making sure that I get the win November the 5th and I'm not looking anywhere past that. Okay, no, I understand that. I just think, yeah, obviously a win. If you did move to 147, you've already beaten the undisputed champion. It's like... um, It'd be cool to rematch maybe at 147, but I guess it's something to think about afterwards, of course. That would be the sensible thing. Um, yeah, I think there'll be something afterwards where that could be talked about, but we've got to get November the 5th out of the way, and that's, that's the priority for now. And I think if you ever overlook and start thinking about what next, then you're losing sight of what's in front of you. Well so I don't do that. Well said, well said. And there's nothing really going on this weekend in terms of boxing events, but the weekend after that, October 8th, that that all-British main event, Conor Ben, Chris Eubank Jr. How do you see it going? Do you give Ben a chance? 100%. My heart is going for Ben, but my head, Conor. Sorry, sorry, say that again. So Conor Ben, that's who I really want to win, but Eubank is bigger and a lot more experienced, so... It's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one to call, but I really want Conor Ben to win. And I'm sure that you've seen Eubank posting himself eating all this fancy food. Do you think it's yeah. just mind games? Do you think he actually recorded mind these games. videos months ago? <laughs> I think it's mind games. I think he knows that Conor Ben is a threat. Like you know, what I mean, he's saying his sixty percent stuff and that, but I think that's just to wind Conor up. Chris Eubank, he always trains hard. He's a hard worker. He's not going to be taking Conor Ben lightly. And Conor, Pen- Conor Ben has improved so much as well over the, like, the last couple of years. So uh, I think it's all mind games. Trying to, trying to piss Conor off and get under his skin. <laughs> and the week after that, it would be rude not to ask, the all-women's card, which is going down in London. It's great. It's been rescheduled for so, so, um, so I guess... Not 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 much of a delay. We saw it delayed by a few weeks. I think it was about five weeks, yeah. something like that. Um, the main event, I want to get your opinion on, obviously, um, Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, and also the undercard, if you've seen much of Baumgardner and Mayer. How do you see those two fights going, Chantel? Cool. What a good, the both unbelievable fights. Obviously, I'm going to have to pick Savannah because 
I think uh, you're going to support our line, aren't we? We've got it. And I just think Savannah's really come come, come to her best now. Like She's performed unbelievable. She's made massive improvement, improvements. And her power, like, it's, it's second to none. Like There's no woman that's sitting as hard as Savannah. And she's so relaxed with her punches as well. I think she's just, she's dangerous. So I'm going to go for Savannah win. And I really like Alicia Bumagana, but I just think Maya, I think Maya will get the, the win. I think more experienced, all-rounder, and yeah, I'm going to go for a Maya win. But again, very, very good fight. Both of, both of them are great fights. They are. It's brilliant for women's boxing, obviously. Um, uh, Mayer has the has the amateur pedigree, I think, that Baumgartner lacks, but it should be fantastic. And as for Shields and Marshall, I really want to back Marshall, because as you say, you've got to back your own. But if you remember correctly, yeah. me and Shields did sing together, so that goes a long way, Chantel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, like, people can't write Clarissa off. Like, Clarissa's, what she's done for women's boxing and what she's achieved is unbelievable like she's she's a legend ain't she what she's done yeah. but uh i'm gonna back down the fans on mate as well and i really think that Lan is kind of unbeatable can't see another beating her yeah i think she will but win again, to be Clarissa fair is yeah. a great fire yeah yeah no i i do think marshall will win but it's going to be fantastic and just finally my yeah. last real question before you chantel um i wanted to get your prediction for your own fight if you decide to share it i'm just kind of picturing the set in november 5th abu dhabi a place where women's boxing is not really at the forefront it's not um very very uh likely to see a big women's fight there but we're gonna see it november the 5th does that give you like an extra kick up the backside to put on a show and show what the women can do or do you not really care about oh, all that yeah, stuff definitely it's uh it's history making the first women's fight over there the match room's first show so I want to put on a good show and obviously I want to win Undisputed World Championship in style. Beautiful. I cannot wait for November the 5th um, for the other fights on the card as well, but your one absolutely uh, probably the one I'm most looking forward to. I love both of your fighting styles. And just finally, Chantel, before we before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners before we let you go, take it away. Say whatever you like. Thanks for tuning in and listening and hope you tune in for my fight November the 5th. I'm sure they all will. Listen, Chantel, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Best of luck, November the 5th. No and we'll speak sometime afterwards. Well, thank you. And I'll get that uh, T-shirt of Jamie. Absolutely. <laughs> Take care, Chantel. See you soon. Right, bye. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start with this one here. Josh Warrington will be defending his IBF featherweight world title against his mandatory, Mr. Luis Alberto Lopez. That's going to be on Saturday, December the 10th at the first direct arena in Leeds. It's going to be live on the zone. Um, also, Matchroom have announced a fight to take place on Tuesday, November the 1st. And that one is going to be... Hiroto Kayaguchi, the WBA light flyweight world champion, getting in with Kenshiro Teraji, who's the WBC light flyweight champion. That one to go down in Japan. Once again, Tuesday, November the 1st. It's going to be live on the zone in Europe. I think it's different if you're in um, in different parts of the world. But that's two cards there that Matchroom have announced. Um, what else do we have? We're going to see Nico Ali Walsh taking part in the undercard of Lomachenko Ortiz. That one to be 
uh, October the 29th. I'm not sure who he's getting in with just yet. I don't think they've announced it, but it's going to be good to see um, Nico Ali Walsh back out. Yeah, he's actually going to be having a six-rounder against a guy called Billy Wagner. So, yeah, that's that's him stepping up there to six rounds for the first time. Natasha Jonas will be headlining a card on November 12th at the AO Arena in Manchester. She is getting in with Marie-Yves Decaire, who some people might remember lost to Clarissa Shields back in March of 2021. That was the time when Clarissa um, boxed at home in Flint. And um, the fight that night was at 154 for... for um, I think all the belts at 154. Anyway, since then, Decare has come back and won the IBF World Super Welterweight title, which was vacant. So Clarissa vacated it. She boxed for the vacant title. She was able to knock out in seven rounds the previously undefeated Cynthia Lozano to become champion. So right now, Eva, uh, sorry, Marie-Yves Decare has the IBF World Super Welterweight title and she gets in with Natasha Jonas. Jonas puts her WBO and WBC titles on the line so that one's for the WBC, WBO, IBF and Ring Magazine World Super Welterweight titles so it's a massive unification and like I say if Jonas wins then the fight to make surely is the Terry Harper fight um, anyway that is that, um, that's going to be good there, November 12th at the AO Arena, also on the card we're going to see friend of the show Bradley Ray getting in with Tyler Denny we're also going to see Fraser Clark in a step up against Camille Sokolowski it's a fantastic fight and also we're going to see Dalton Smith getting in with Casey Benjamin that's the co-main event there for the British super lightweight title that's going to be a really good card again November the 12th fantastic fantastic um, night of boxing there a lot of 50-50 fights I love that card and the final piece of news is that Richardson Hitchens has signed a multi-fight promotional contract with Matram Boxing. Richardson Hitchens is a guy that we've all heard many, many stories about. Mostly stuff that's gone on in the gyms. We've heard he's a fantastic um, sparrer. He's been in there with the best of the guys. And, you know, as a pro, obviously, he's undefeated. And, um, yeah... They're talking about this guy could be a potential superstar for the future. Everyone's kind of talking about him. I think even um, Bill Haney, obviously Devin Haney's father, took some kind of shot at, um, at Richardson Hitchens just this week. So there's a lot of top fighters talking about this guy. He seems like he's going to be a real problem. But anyway, that's it for the news part of the show. Moving on to the preview part, there's really not much at all. Just two cards to mention. I'm really clutching at straws here. Um, this Saturday... October the 1st at the Auditorio Municipal Fausto Gutierrez Moreno in Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico. Eddie, I know you're not going to be there, and I know you're not going to watch it, neither am I. But Luis Neri, Luis Neri, former world champion, 32-1, steps in with Jesus Ruiz Garcia, who's 45-9 and with five draws. That's really it for Mexico, and there's one card to mention that takes place um, on Saturday in the U.S. It's at the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington, D.C., USA. Um, over here, one fight to mention on the card is that Anthony Peterson, 39-1 and with a draw, steps in with Raul Chirino, who's 19-16. and 16. And also on the card, and more importantly... 
friend of the show, Dusty Hernandez Harrison, once upon a time was in the top 15 for Kel Brook's IBF welterweight world title. He was in the top 15 rankings at welterweight. These days he's up at cruiserweight. He's still undefeated, 34-0 with a draw. Um, he's 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 His opponent's yet to be named, so I'm not sure if he's certainly going ahead for sure, but apparently it is. Um, so yeah, all the best to Dusty Hernandez Harrison, who's 34-0 with a draw, former welterweight, now cruiserweight, and um, my heart goes out to him as well, because his father was actually shot dead, I think it was just last week, his father and trainer, Buddy Harrison, was shot dead, um, I think it was just last week, and he's still apparently going ahead with the fight, I know there was a, um, what do they call it, a candlelight vigil held for his for his father, a lot of people came out as well, so I'm told, um, so yeah, he is, um, I guess, using that aggression for this upcoming fight here, but um, I remember Dusty, you know, nice guy, really nice guy, really tough career as well, um, I feel like he's been kind of mismanaged, hasn't really been picked up by a big promoter his whole career, um, had a couple questionable decisions go his way and stuff like that, but yeah, it's mad. Like he's still undefeated. He's he's had thirty five fights, never lost officially, and um, yeah, he's not really a massive name. And yeah, like I say, my heart goes out to him because it's it's terrible. Obviously, what he's going through outside of the ring here, and yeah, he's never really had it easy outside of the ring. I don't think Dusty. So my heart goes out to him. But anyway, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest this week. And in part two, we did the news part. I've just wrapped up the preview part there. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 363 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the undefeated WBC and IBF female super lightweight world champion, Chantel Cameron. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. If you do have a spare minute, please leave us a review on the podcast player of your choice. We're on all major podcast outlets, such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and many many more sites if you wish to perhaps send myself or Eddie Chambers a question just tweet us on Twitter at Podcast, and we'll gladly answer the question on next week's show I forgot to mention it as well but last week actually marked 7 years of the Box Hard Podcast so if you're feeling generous you can always head over to our Twitter page and send us a tip if you're really feeling generous but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week